0: This is the Truth About Investing Back to Basics Podcast, where we want to help you take control of your personal finance and long-term investments. If you're looking for a way to learn the why and how of investing, then you've found the right place. Thank you for taking the time to learn how to better yourselves. Because, uh, because we're, you know, we're interviewing me today. Do you have jokes
1: for me today? Oh, did, no, I did not go that far. Did ya? No, I did not. <laughs> no, I took over the the uh, coming up with questions portion. And uh, outside of that, uh, you're still on for the intro and all that good stuff.
0: But... Oh, man. Okay. Well. Yep. The, the, the intro and the funny, funny jokes.
1: Yeah, that's why you're why... here. I agree. <laughs> I'm not gonna be the funny. If I was the funny one, then my, my videos would have more hits.
2: This would be it. A... <laughs> no, that's that's. I guess there's some truth to that.
0: Okay. All right. Well, uh, I guess I guess because I'm the funny one, then we don't we don't have to prep with jokes. It'll just it'll just be be fluid fluid of, okay uh, jokes throughout <laughs> so well
1: then you can introduce us and then i'll start uh, grilling you with questions
0: okay well welcome ladies and gentlemen boys and girls people of all ages to another episode of the truth about investing back to basics my name is chris holling and i'm sean cooper and sean's gonna interview me today about right. stuff <laughs> I okay I guess I can throw in a little bit more of an intro of that so yeah um the the previous yeah it was the previous episode that we did uh we focused on alternative investments and one of those that we addressed was actually real estate we talked about real estate and and really there's there's entire podcasts that are dedicated to this through and through and there are very very successful ones at that and I I mean just to give i guess kind of my own shout out to it unless i need to bleep it later (laughs) i i really enjoy bigger pockets bigger pockets does a really good job of of doing a real estate investing podcast um they've got a lot of really cool resources that i've personally learned a lot from just on my own time my own research um and uh, specifically, the reason we're talking about it at all today is uh, a large investment. Where it's my most active investment is I do a short-term rental uh, that I have arranged. That I'm I'm going to try and not describe too much so that so Sean can ask me questions. <laughs> That's right, um, but. But I, I run a short-term rental property. This is very new for me. And so we wanted to, to get a recording of this on kind of the early stages of some of that. And specifically for me, it's a version that uh, bigger pockets would, or others, depending on how I edit this (laughs) uh would reference it as called house hacking and so what i am doing is uh, i have recently purchased a house a few months ago and did some renovations in order to separate it into two functional units and short-term rent one of the units Uh, some people do this with just uh, a room or they stay in the basement and then they separate the other part of the house or uh, some people do it where it's Uh, just you know a carriage house separately or or some variation of that but it's it's worked well for us so far and uh we're starting to see some returns on it and now we we get to get into the meat and potatoes of kind of how it works and answer i really have no idea what questions sean has for me so (laughs) i'm I'm kind of curious (laughs) actually
1: uh but yeah that's that's why we're interviewing me today exactly Exactly, so I to start off, I know this is probably a multifaceted uh, answer that you Good. have um, because you, you know you have when you have capital, you have lots of opportunities open to you with what you could do with it. And right. I know previously you guys were you're renting and you had a pretty sweet uh, deal in terms of your rent. So, sure. what made you decide to take your capital and invest in real estate in the first place?
0: Mm. Okay, yeah, that's a that's a cool question. Um, so, wow, it's not just a multifaceted question, but a kind of a multiple reasons answer, right? Uh, w- there, there is something to be said for uh, just kind of the inception of some of my first like foundational pieces of learning in investing where uh, a lot of people, when they first start thinking about investing at all, when, when they're trying to get out of the grind of just you work, you get paid, you pay bills, uh, and then you do that until you retire and then you die. <laughs> like to, to kind of have just a different mindset, a very common book that a lot of people read that I did read was rich dad, poor dad, uh, Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, and it, it He did make his money in real estate, and so he does a lot of real estate examples in that, and that is by far not the only way to gain ground in investing, but it's an example that gets used pretty consistently, and so I was was pretty aware to it, just early stages of learning of, of just considering it as an option, and then by chance, when we moved back, and like Sean mentioned, we were still renting, and... And doing some of that, then I knew that we still wanted to get our own space that we could we could call our own. And we tried to figure out how to do that, but also how to simultaneously advance our active investing plan because comparatively to a lot of people, I, I am a pretty aggressive investor just because I, I do have a pretty secure job. And I'm pretty comfortable with the idea that if absolutely everything blows up in my face, I can kind of hit the reset button a little bit um, and I'm willing to take on that risk. And so to look at it as a how do we get started and get a good springboard of going and also how do we get a space to ourselves, this seemed like one of the best ways to do it. Uh, we also entertained getting a hold of a multi-unit place outright like a uh, triplex or fourplex you can do that with an fha loan fha will approve up to a quadplex and uh, we looked at some of those options and uh, just wound up going this route instead after multiple multiple uh, comparisons and numbers and lots of number crunching and lots of lots of learning between then and now and there it we're in the right place that i feel like fits us best personally So
1: awesome. How's that? Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's what you got to do is find out what works best for you. And, uh, to, to that point, you, you, referenced, uh, some of the different, uh, ideas of investing in real estate that you guys, uh, talked about. And I think, um, split, buying a house and then splitting it and renting half is a fairly unique because a lot of real estate investors think, you know, that you've got the fix and flippers out there. You've got uh, people that just go around, they buy up, buy a house, rent it, use it to pay itself off, refinance it, use that to buy another one and continue the process. Um, In this case, you're, you're living and, you know, you know, working the house at the same time. So correct. What led you to to that particular method specifically why did you choose that manner of investing in real estate specifically interesting
0: uh okay um so something that i i think i've been learning a lot about real estate investing in particular is it it really does widely widely vary the options and uh how well you can do in certain areas just geographically and i i don't just mean like per state but i mean like per city per county per Mm -hmm. uh, neighborhood and and that can vary a lot of things wildly so strictly short term as an example if you are looking in a spot out in i don't know say maine uh, I love Maine. Maine is a, is a beautiful place to be, but their touristy time is very much the summertime because of lobsters and lobster season and, and sometimes the, the winter a bit just because people like to get out and, and a little bit of fall to see the colors and whatnot. But those are slower times in comparison to summer. So when you're looking at that as a real estate investment and you're considering like vacation home renting, which is a, that's sort of one of the versions of, of short-term renting, then that's that's the type of thing that you got to consider because when you're looking at those then you're offsetting the costs for when you know when the getting is good and you can get good rates uh, and get good return versus the slower months and kind of feast and famine and and riding through that Uh, whereas say you're looking in the uh, Denver metro area then Denver metro area there's there's tourism that kind of occurs all year round, and there really is a large influx of people that's always coming into the area, and so because people are are moving in, moving out, moving from place to place, it's pretty common to have things like short-term rental, long-term rental available to you, and therefore there's also a lot of opportunity for growth like... Uh, like fix and flips, like you referenced. There's, uh, there's just a lot that happens on the real estate side here. Whereas say you find a, a small town in Iowa. Um, I I don't know why I picked Iowa. I just did. Uh, but there, there might not be a, a lot of traffic of people coming in and out or moving into it. So you could get a house for four grand. I saw one go for four grand the other day, which is just wild in comparison to Denver Metro numbers. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but you know then if you do that and uh you choose to long term rent it out for i don't know 500 bucks a month then you could still technically turn a profit on that and and so it it widely varies depending on the area that you're looking at in the first place so to answer your question we wanted to be somewhere where we were in the Denver metro area because that's where family is for us and uh kind of particular to the Denver metro area the short term renting tends to be relatively consistent and not just vacationy like you would find in Vail because of the fact that it is year round tourism year round business year round seasons it is it is a constant inflow of people which makes the short term more regular than you would find in in other areas um, and so once we once we started com- like comparing a lot of numbers And we were trying to figure out, do we want to take on long-term? Do we want to take on a little bit of extra risk on the short-term side? Uh, But the payoff could be a little bit better. Once we determined that we were were comfortable with a short-term route, that's where you start getting into the more complicated portions of regulation because it is a newer thing. And some cities, some counties don't like it. So even if you said, I want to do this and this is the best thing for me, And then you look at, say, Highlands Ranch is a great example, just in the Denver metro area, if you decide to look it up. Highlands Ranch has a hard no. We do not allow short-term rental, whether you are listed on the property, If nothing. Absolutely hard no. Interesting. Uh, Whereas Denver, specifically, it's okay so long as you are the primary resident. And so there's lots of uh, either splitting the house or a carriage house is a great example where there's essentially an ADU or an accessory dwelling unit. So you are the primary owner of that. But as soon as you split it up and it, it develops essentially two addresses, then that's when you're rezoning and it's a duplex. And duplexes cannot be short-term rented from what I understand in the uh, city of Denver. So, um, Specific to ours, because it's short-term, you have to go through the stages of, okay, is we want to do this for these reasons. Okay, now that we've determined we want to, is it approved by the state? Is it approved by the county? Is it approved by the city? Is it approved by the HOA and the neighborhood that I'm looking at? If all of those is yes, then it's okay to do there, and that's when you have to try and find a spot that that works well depending on where you want to be and where you want that location to be. So it's got a lot of steps to make it happen, but as, as long as you're looking in that specific geographical area like I was trying to describe, then, then it can work out quite well. And that's how we landed in that, is we wanted a space that was for us, uh, and did the, did the math, did the research, found an area that works well for us in particular and is also approved to do so. And, uh, went through all the stages to do it where it's, uh, did some permitting by the city. And so we have a renter's permit for those things and, uh, got the renovations done with the, the, when you have the vision in mind, we found the house and we said, okay, I think that we can do it this way. Uh, got into the house, did the renovations and now it, it functions on its own with its own private entrance. And so I, you know, it's, it's pretty hands off apart from very minor stuff here and there. So Nice.
1: So, a combination of uh, circumstance as well as strategy, then. Yes. You know, that kind of led you to this this particular choice. Yes, yeah.
0: because if if we, uh, with the circumstance and strategy, the way that we see it is, at the very least, the the market out here is very, very difficult. It's very expensive, and it's very very competitive. And uh, if nothing else, just because of the level expense rather than me trying to figure out a way to work extra overtime to afford a house of some sort, I thought it would be better to try and figure out a way to get my house to work for me, which kind of goes back into the rich dad, poor dad example that if you haven't read it, uh, then one of the things that they like to justify is something we've referenced before is the separation between assets and liabilities. And an an asset, uh, as a reminder, is something that, you spend money on that's going to make you money, and a liability is something you spend money on that's going to cost you money. And if we bought a house ours for Chris's definition, not mine. Right, right. Sorry. And that's, <laughs> there's an entire episode dedicated to that. That's, yes. <laughs> that's it. Right. Um, uh, but yes, under my definition, then when I'm looking at a house and when I'm trying to make this decision, I'm saying, do I want to take on this liability? I can, but how do I want to do it? versus now i'm taking on this liability and in my psychological categorized thing that i'm talking about (laughs) now i am making it become an asset because this thing that was going to cost me money is now making me money or at the at the very lowest instance of it helping offset some of those things rather than it all just coming out of my pocket
1: yep for sure so, how did you actually go about starting this process? And you've you've touched on this a little bit as we've go, we've gone through here. But uh, can you, if somebody wanted to follow suit, what what did you actually go about doing? How did you uh, find places to look at? How did you uh, handle the financing? Things of that nature. Okay. Um,
0: so specific to. Denver metro area because that, uh, like I'm saying, it's it, it really there are extra variables everywhere you look. So specific to this area, I was able to utilize a lender that uh, that was able to allow me to do a cash offer. Uh, that was very paramount for what we wanted to accomplish in order to stay competitive in the market because they're very consistently uh, almost, geez, I, I can't say every single one is, is like a blanket statement, but very consistently the houses that are being sold out here right now in this very current market, as we record this in the end of September, <laughs> when it, it could change. twenty one, Right. It could change wildly here. Um, but uh, as it stands right now, most houses are selling for about 50 to a hundred thousand over asking price. That's insane. Um, it's, it is a lot. Uh, and, So, in doing so, we needed to have something that was competitive and comparable. And if you are doing a cash offer, the closing process moves quicker. There's a couple of fees that kind of get removed from the process so it. It's like having more money, even though you're not, you don't have more money in a way. And we were able to go through a program that
1: was able to do a cash offer, which made it very So without actually naming that program, because we don't want That's wanna, what I'm trying to avoid. Uh, right? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> how, how would somebody go about finding a program like that?
0: Ooh. Uh, you know, it's it was so unique and it's so new here in this area that uh, I kind of stumbled across it by my realtor suggesting it.
1: Oh, uh, Okay.
0: But, so maybe tap your realtor for advice on that one. Sure, or or you know, there's there's really nothing wrong with with talking to multiple realtors. Uh, there's there's this oh absolutely that oh there's there's a, a very strange dynamic that exists where uh, if you sign a contract with a realtor, technically you are supposed to use that realtor, especially with a broker and there's a whole bunch to that and and the fact of the matter is and i we <laughs> i hope to not get a too much backlash from this but like if your realtor is not doing well by you you can find ways out of that contract absolutely and so when you are trying to find new avenues because your realtor isn't doing what you feel that they should be doing or really just they're they're not operating within your best interests which is literally their job description then look elsewhere, talk to other people and just compare because if you find somebody that's really willing to go the extra mile for you, then that's that's why you want that person anyway. So for sure I, I say that to say that mine was going the extra mile for me and found this opportunity for me and and it was it was very, very yeah. helpful. So uh, if you were looking for that in particular, check your area, you know like a, a Google search, call around, call some, I uh, maybe call a local investor or something and uh, try try to just see what you can find out and specifically ask for that. Hey, do you have you ever heard of a program that allows you to do a cash offer uh, and and they act as your cash offer? And that's how it worked. Is they they did a cash offer, they closed and then uh, they connected me with a mortgage broker and then the mortgage was set up in a. A name that they picked, or well, the the mortgage company that they picked, and how it works in the way that they make money is that for me, I don't see a difference. Uh, If the rate is 3%, then I get connected with this mortgage broker and they say, okay, the the going rate right now is 3%, so I'm just going to charge this guy 3%. Hey, you company that just did the cash offer, tell you what, we're going to give you 0.5% because while it's lower for us, we never would have had the contract if it wasn't for you in the first place. So they make their money by essentially referring, and then I still get the same rate as the market rate in the process and have the cash offer to do so. Nice. Um, So that was just the purchase side. Uh, To your question, how did I get to that point? wasn't that your question? See, this is, this is why, you know, you, you keep track of the questions. Was, was that your question? <laughs>
1: uh, that was, that was part of it. Yeah. It was, okay. you know, how, how did you go about it? So uh, the other aspect, you, you already kind of talked about this a, a fair bit, but was like, how did you actually find this specific place? So. Gotcha. Um, okay.
0: Um, I was, I was doing a lot of hunting around like I was talking about the uh, uh, a, a lot of very active real estate investors will tell you that you should really first do the number crunching on a hundred deals or a hundred real estate investing opportunities a hundred properties before you actually make your first one just kind of as a rule of thumb so that you are crunching numbers and you're going through the reps and by the time that we had done this I I had done over that amount by accident I, I, I didn't even mean to like shoot for that mark I just had by that time and uh so i was looking around at a lot of places and it's it does take a level of creativity like you were talking about where we said okay let's check out this house we go and check it out and it's in the type of area we wanted in the first place so we did our research to find out uh is it okay on that state city county hoa level in the first place right. once we found out that that was okay then we showed up and poked around the house and thought, okay, how can we split this up to give it private access so that they really have their own space entirely? You can do short-term renting where you say you rent out a room and share the kitchen or something, and some people do that, and I personally don't enjoy renting those, so I don't want to offer that as a, a thing to rent, if that makes sense. I just yeah. I just don't personally enjoy that option. And so why would I offer that option if I don't even enjoy it? And, uh, so when we were able to somewhat creatively look at the, look at the house and go, I see a way to privatize this entrance and wall off this area. So it's private and, uh, make it so that they can operate within their own. Then we did just that. We were able to make the purchase And then got in, and uh, we walled up a couple of areas, put in a door, put in some newer features that I thought were important, like uh, egress windows, which are windows for the basement, if you've never heard of that, Mm -hmm. and uh, a central AC system, because I wanted to make sure everybody remained comfy, and some very minor maintenance things, and then I put in a smart lock that uh, sits at the front door that I I have complete access to all of the codes and... Uh, so it's always a private code and it's per guest and it logs each time the person comes in and out and I can tell who, what code is used. So I temporarily give the code to my guest and that if they're staying for three days, then it's active for three days and then it's not active after that. And uh, it's pretty self-sufficient past slick, that point. Slick, yeah. So then they can come and go as they please
1: and you know we're not sharing a kitchen <laughs> is ultimately it. Yeah, no, Um so... Y- as we've gone through this, you've talked about some of the perceived advantages of this type of real estate, at least for you personally, now that you're in it, you've, you've been doing it for a while now, which of those perceived advantages turned out to be legitimate? Which ones were, uh, maybe overblown or non-existent at all? Mm,
0: okay. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, The legitimate advantage that I have gotten from it is a doing exactly what I wanted. Uh, it operates on its own. It is a separate portion to the house. It's private enough to where if people want to meet us, then we welcome it, but it's private enough to where I, there's been several guests that I've never even seen, to be honest. And, uh, so i I know that they're giving their privacy as well, and not not just on on our end. So right. it's it's functioning, and it is uh, getting a return on my investment in the way that that I was hoping for, which was at the very least being able to help out with the cost of my mortgage. And really, uh, for for all intents and purposes, the the very first month we were just shy of making the mortgage, but. Second month, we we obtained our mortgage as well as some cash flow. Along yeah, with way that.
1: to way to just go ahead and blow my my question number seven. <laughs> Thanks for that question number seven. What what, <laughs> what question are we even on? <laughs> four,
0: four. Okay, well I'll, I'll I'll forget by then. Don't don't even worry about it. Now, um, one thing. Actually, it's funny. I might blow it right here. One thing that was uh, uh, a thing I didn't expect was that when you're talking about numbers, there there are gross numbers and then there is a, a net profit, so to speak, uh, where all of your expenses are paid. Uh, so like the, the number that you find after your expenses are paid is, is the number that's like your net, your cash flow at that point. And uh, when I was looking at gross numbers, the thing that I didn't consider that I, I should have, I guess, is that when I was comparing other comparable properties making... X amount, I thought, that's insane. I've never even heard of that. It didn't really include the cleaning costs that that you have, which you can clean it on your own, but I've got too much going on in my life to also take that on because really it's a, a second job at that point. Um, right. So I I needed to make sure I had a cleaning crew come in, and they do a great job, and it's it's a very fluid process, uh, but it, it really drops that amount of gross cost to less than you would think because it's still gross like say say cleaning costs five hundred dollars at the end of the month then you still have your gross amount after cleaning and that those numbers were still good but i those weren't the numbers that i expected out of the gate just because uh we you charge the the renter for the cleaning fee and so i don't even see it but when you are talking to people and they say, these are my gross numbers, that usually includes the cleaning fee that you don't even see in the first place when you first talk to people about it, if that
1: makes sense. So it almost inflates what, the, what it sounds like they're getting? Uh, yes. That, yeah. Yes. And I mean, like it's, it's, still,
0: it's still good, um, but it's, it, it does inflate it further than, than you think on top of that. At least it did for me. On those first conversations that I had ever looking into this,
1: that's fair. Uh, that actually leads right into my next question because sure. uh, I would kind of classify that as a, a challenge or an unexpected hurdle. And one of the other uh, challenges that you and I have discussed offline is uh, revolves around uh, pricing. So figuring sure. out the appropriate price to the unit to optimize profitability and, you know, it being rented and that sort of thing uh, consistently. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about uh, that, uh, you know, limitations on the platform and any other challenges that uh, maybe were unforeseen? The two most common short-term rental programs,
0: uh, one is called VRBO, and what is called Airbnb, uh, and I, I don't really have a big system into how I picked mine. Mine was much more commonly used in my area, and with the real estate networking group that I'm now a part of, it's it is the uh, the program that is used as majority among this group in particular. Uh, So I, I legitimately don't have a, I prefer one over the other because I've tried both. I've really only tried one and I do appreciate a lot of aspects about it. And, uh, so I, I, don't have a, you know, one really obviously stuck out really just look into what works for you. And for me, it was the one that was majorly used in the area. So I feel like it communicates better with people that are looking anyway. Gotcha. Um, the, uh, pricing, that's what you asked. So, uh, I, I, I'm kind of cheating on this because of the same network group that I got a part of. Like, if you're interested in this, like, find other people of like minds. Chances are there, there's always somebody that is bigger and better and smarter than you at, at anything in life. And I, try, I really try to keep that in mind because if I don't, then I'm not going to be able to learn new things from somebody that might have a different perspective than me. And, so uh go out there and and find find a network find a opportunity there's lots of uh real uh, reals rias in almost every state a real estate investing association of some sort and you can just google finding one of your own and uh, if you are interested in real estate there are lots of opportunities so within my own and I started making contacts with these people I started to ask well what What should I charge? Do you think? And they said, I think with your property in particular, I'm I'm comfy with numbers on here. I guess that's it's up to you. Do you care? No, go for it. Okay, so um, they pretty much out of the gate, they said, I think with your property, the way that you have yours set up, you can get around 150 to 175 a night. Uh, There are stages that need to happen before that, where you are gaining your publicity. And you need to make sure that it, uh, it's advertised well, and you have a good reputation, and you have good reviews to get to that point. But they were saying, I believe you can make it to this level, and I think that you can acquire those things, which we are, are starting to come close to that currently, uh, or we're, we're playing with about that range right now. So specific to your question of how did you discover pricing? Well, I, I started with a real loose idea based off of somebody else's advice that operates within this network. And then really it's just a matter of us trying and and seeing where things land and seeing, you know, if nobody books, then that's a pretty good indication that, that maybe we need to readjust some stuff. And uh, ultimately as as we've done it, we've still gathered uh still gathered booking and still continue to. And we are about to hit a new mark actually in a couple of days that will give us a new title that will help promote some of our, uh,
1: help promote the unit a little bit
0: as well as give us a, a reputation that's backed by the program. So because more right, cause I think willing. you
1: mentioned that, uh, there are some limitations or certain hurdles you have to, or, um, uh, milestones you have to achieve in order to do yes. certain types of promotional pricing and things of that nature? Yes. So
0: the the promotional pricing outright, like putting a discount on your property and getting some advertising is more just being established for about a month. The title that I'm referring to that we're about to get to, uh, you have to have a uh, history of good reviews. You have to have a history of good response times on the program itself. And you have to have a certain amount of stays depending on Uh, how long or how short that they've been. And you have to do all of those by the time they do their quarterly review. And in our case, the next review is going to be in a couple of days. Once you acquire that, then people can search for people that only have that title and therefore have a good reputation backed by that program. Uh, And so we become part of a special search system for people that care about that as well as the program is more likely to promote it because they know that you have a good reputation. Uh, And in doing so, you get more bookings, and you can also increase your prices a little bit because you are a, I guess, a cut above... So to speak, because you are you are doing the legwork to make sure that it's a quality unit.
1: Well, there's less risk on the renters' side. Correct. of things. Yes, yeah. right. It's it's bound to be a more
0: a more quality option, a more quality stay. As far as if there's an issue, then it will be addressed because there's a good reputation. But also exactly to what you're saying, that there's there's less risk of something going wrong because they have been. Uh, actively established as as somebody that's helpful, uh, somebody that will will take care of the job properly. Right, you've been vetted. And, right, exactly. And so once we uh, once we reach that stage, then we'll we'll play with the pricing and see if people continue to book. And uh, I they they've continued so far even without this title. So I believe that's a that's a good piece. Uh, one personal piece of advice that I'll offer to somebody if they are doing short term stuff. Uh, or if they're, they're interested and they're going down this road, it's been my personal experience that uh, it's almost better to charge a little above what the going rate is in the area rather than below. You would think it's below in order to try and be competitive and bring people in, which as you're starting out might be true. But I've found that if you have something that's more expensive in general, especially if you have a quality place that people will want to stay at anyway, it tends to bring in a type of client that is less likely to mess up your stuff rather than one that's only looking for a deal because the ones that are looking for a deal, I've found, are more likely to have some form of a, a damage to your property or or an issue or or expecting a deal, so to speak. So on a very personal note, uh, we've we found that that, Shooting a little above the area tends to attract a certain type of person that we we like to have as,
1: especially as we live on the property. So,
0: for sure, makes sense.
1: Uh, yeah, I was curious okay. if you wanted to expand on that. It sounds like there's a. Uh, the story that goes along with that
0: oh i mean i the thing is is that it's uh that was some advice that i was finding and uh or early early on when we were doing some of these, we had a couple of questionable problems that came through of like, were they actually honoring our rules for no smoking? And Uh, uh, we were dealing with less questions on the program itself of saying, Oh, well, can you cut me a deal for this? Once we started to get out of that bracket, so to speak. But as far as, (laughs) you know, stories for, for other people, there's, it is still short term, you know, that's, that's also what turns people off about it is that there's, there's not a large vetting process in comparison, you know. When you right. when you have somebody that's held there for a long period of time, You're not doing and, a background and, check, right? Exactly. Now, I mean, uh, this program we have opted to make sure that we have a government ID issued, so it still keeps people pretty accountable, uh, but it, it doesn't have as in depth of a check as a as a long term would be. But you know, I'll have that. <laughs> I, I was I was talking with somebody from my network the other day that was telling me that they they were doing a uh, a rental and i guess an entire mariachi band was in their place and they were driving oh, by and they noticed it and they had to kick them out like <laughs> um like there's still weird stuff that goes on uh but generally if if you're shooting for we're trying to attract a a different group that that might be less likely to screw up the area than than we've found that just making sure you have quality place that you can justify charging that will attract the right kind of person gotcha
1: uh what other learning curves have you come across Mm. um overall i'd say the
0: biggest learning curve was like i was talking about with doing the the hundred deals or so in my head where you're looking at different properties and different opportunities and looking into regulations and where to find those considering numbers like how much does it cost you in taxes? Because if it's that much more in taxes, can you really just just doing the numbers uh, itself was was a learning curve, and uh, I'd say I'd say general. You, you repairs, haven't even
1: done all the taxes yet. You get a you get to oh, deal no. with that for the first time in April, right? Of next no, year. The, I am
0: I I am. Not looking forward to any of that. <laughs> but I when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about crunching the numbers and making the considerations into what your expenses are going to be. So like okay, the mortgage, yeah. the taxes, the cost for, you know, how does the program affect things? What type of amenities are you going to be looking at? Like considering all of the business expenses because that's what you're going to be doing. Uh, I'd say the other learning curve would be. I'm familiar with houses and and renovations just as a whole, but the actual operational process of it and what needs to be done and, and how things all work is why I brought in a general contractor. I'm sure I could have done a lot of YouTube and, and uh, screwed it up and then paid the same amount for somebody to come in and unscrew up my stuff and then fix it. <laughs> but <laughs> instead, I just outright went for the contractor. And so having some of those... Oh, I want to do this. Well, that's fine, but you gotta hit these these marks first. Was also a, a learning curve that I think happens to anyone. Really, I'm trying yep. to think if there's anything else that sticks out. I don't. I don't think so. But the, uh, yeah, that's looking, fair. Looking at the numbers and business expenses ahead of time and making sure that you're not just seeing dollar signs and you're considering what the cost is for for it to operate appropriately is is very important.
1: Well, like I said, you already more or less answered this question um, <laughs> because I was going to ask you, you know, about a general idea of the outcome, if you broke even, came out ahead, that sort of thing. Um, and I know in your particular circumstance, like we, we touched on briefly briefly mm-hmm. previously, um, for you, break even was kind of a uh, almost a tougher mark because you had such a, a good deal in terms of your rental Previously, so uh, the the assumption I would make, and I think you and I have talked about before, is if somebody is currently renting in their their same market, especially with the way things are today, then uh, the offset the uh, the the break even point is actually easier to hit because you're dealing with a a much higher rental that you're paying on a monthly basis that you're. You're switching over to that mortgage and then trying to offset with the the income. So, is there any additional color you'd like to add around that? Well, I I think that's a good point. Uh, I I do think that
0: my circumstance was just a little bit more unique because. Uh, so what we what we had because you know that's what we're talking about is rent rent was on the cheaper side for us because we were with family, and it was still a very symbiotic relationship because. Uh, being with family offered what what benefits you get for living with family in the first place, uh, but it also means that you don't have your own shared space. So the uh, the money was helpful for them, and the extra sets of hands were helpful for us, really, with the kiddo. And uh, it, in doing so, the the rent was actually only semi a factor of that. It was much more about us personally wanting to get our own space and right. wanting to to be able to spread our wings so to speak i i guess with that um but but having our own our own elbow room was was very paramount in specific to how do you compare when you're looking at uh rent versus versus not even if you have a cheap rent deal or something along those lines is very much a a long-term thing like i i know that personally and this i feel like this is hard to do without a diagram but I, I really try to make it so that my paycheck takes care of me and my expenses and my investing has the capability to operate on its own. And while I plan on continuing to put into it or finding ways for it to continue to grow, I want it to be able to function on its own so that if my paycheck only takes care of my expenses for that month for whatever reason because a bunch of stuff goes wrong I want the investments to still be able to continue to grow and so this is a springboard into that where our plan is we just don't have an exact route is to move from this point and whether it's selling it or keeping the home and continuing to rent it or some variation of that this is going to be a a springboard into allowing investments to grow beyond that so we are taking the time to actively put into it right now so that we can step away from it and allow it to grow on its own and uh, so if you are making a consideration like sean is talking about okay do i step out of this renting area to get into a spot there's there's nothing wrong with stepping back into a renting area later or or even continuing to rent while while you've got stuff that's going on that's cheap, and then using money on the side to allow real estate specifically or some type of investment grow for you while you're continuing to rent, it's very very case by case basis on what works best for you. Uh, we just happened to also want our own space and wanted to aggressively invest, and so we were willing to take on some risk, and this was our way to do both. Does that does that answer that pretty well? I think yeah yeah very much okay. so okay yep
1: great um that brings me to the the ultimate question if you will Ooh. and and one follow-up question to it mm. so would you do it again and if yes. so would you <laughs> what would you do differently oh okay um yes i would do it again
0: uh ask ask me again in a year you know i'm still kind of <laughs> right on, on cloud nine of a couple of months in and and just just the fact that i'm getting proof of concept right now is is wonderful to me. So maybe maybe i'm for a, sure maybe i'm a little uh rose-colored glasses at the moment and that's okay. <laughs> but uh what i would do in the future hmm here's the problem with with that question <laughs> is this was done over Years of me doing research and coming to the conclusion that I did And in a way I didn't even realize that this route that we picked was an option until this year So I was going to tell you my only regret was not doing it sooner But I really think that if I did it sooner, I wouldn't have had the knowledge that I have now And I might have made some bigger mistakes on the way very valid point so yeah. I, of I, I remember when I first started getting into invest, like it was actually around the time that you and I very first started talking, uh, mm-hmm. there was, uh, I had, I had a patient by chance that, uh, uh, he, he was just, he was sick and he needed to go to the hospital and we, we got to talking. Cause I mean, what else are you going to do back there? <laughs> um, but we got to talking and, uh, he was telling me that He's got a business that's up and running. I think it was a, a tire business or something along those lines. And he had just purchased it and he was looking to do something else. And uh, he was he was upset. What was that? He had just gotten into a fight with somebody and he was dealing with a big lawsuit and his anxiety kicked up because he was in the courtroom and it it was just all becoming a little overwhelming for him because the other person didn't show up. Like a, a, really, a really messy circumstance that just really caused a bunch of different problems. And uh, he told me, he's like, you know, it's it's really not about the money for me. I'm, I'm so upset about this and this and this. And I started asking him about it. He's like, oh, no, I, I started investing in real estate after I sold some of my businesses. I said, oh, well, you know, tell me, what's what is the best advice you can give me? Because I'm just now looking into the possibility of real estate investing at all and really just investing in general. And he said, the only piece of advice I'll give you is start yesterday. I wish I had done this years ago. And again, you know, this isn't for everybody, but uh, it's it's something that stuck with me because I thought, okay, you know, I, I need to, at least for me in my personal circumstance, I, at that point, I was interested enough to where I knew it was going to be a part of my investing portfolio at some point. This just happened to push it up in my priority list for me personally. How's
1: that? Yeah, I like it. I like it. Is there anything else you would add for our listeners? Okay. Uh, I I really know that I I
0: touched on this, but I want to stress it because I really do think that it's important. Make sure that you are doing, if you do get involved in real estate investing, make sure that you are doing it for you and for the right reasons. Meaning if you are doing it strictly for numbers, make sure the numbers are good. And that's, that's all you need to worry about. For me, I needed to make sure that I had to, I had a lot of considerations. I had to consider a place that was also going to be comfortable for me and my family. So I had to look in areas that I was comfortable with that being as well as areas that were going to be close to family for us. And if it's, I I used to, I was talking to a buddy of mine about this yesterday. I told him, Hey, you know, if, if it was just you and me and we were just looking for money and we were going to move in somewhere, but you know, we didn't have these, these families attached to us, you know, you and me would be out in this, in this terrible part of town and just bring a couple of baseball bats and, you know, just, just ride it out (laughs) for a couple of years once we buy this building and, and then turn a profit. But like, that doesn't work for me in my circumstance. Uh, and I, I think that could have been more lucrative overall. And I would have gotten way more cool stories in the process. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it did not work for what was needed in my life. And I, I think we talk about that a lot on this podcast, is that when you are, when you are looking at all these things and you're looking at your personal finances and you're investing, you need to find out what's comfortable for you and you need to know why you're doing it, which is how we led to doing this at all because of our long-term goals as well as what we needed right now and uh i think that's that's really important for everybody to consider if you're looking into it at all and not just a i'm gonna do it to do it good advice cool
1: cool i like it that's all i had on my end so
0: Sweet, well, you know, interview time for you what did you what did you think did you did you like it did you did you like switching it around and asking me questions
2: it felt it felt weird, right?
1: yeah, it felt like the pressure was off. all I had to do was sit here and listen <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I'll except just... I probably didn't feel the role of being funny and entertaining you you still had to do that, so you know really. <laughs> Really, it just well, put more on you. Well,
0: well, thanks for joining us on the Truth About Investing. I'm Chris Holling, and I'm also Chris Holling. Is that?
1: Like- <laughs> <laughs> yep, no, that I'm is- Sean Cooper. Thanks. <laughs> <for that. laughs> I'm trying to get excited about
0: it. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Yeah. Let me actually wrap this up. Thank you again, everybody, for coming to join us, and thank you, thank you for asking me those questions. Those are those are great questions. I'm glad. I'm glad I had to actually think about stuff and it wasn't just like spewing information. That was, that was great. So I appreciate you (laughs) asking. You're welcome. Uh, and thank you everybody for coming out to listen or, or picking up your headphone to listen, I guess. Uh, and, uh, thank you for taking the time to want to better yourself. I, I just had a brain fart. I don't know. That was weird. My name is Chris Holling. You had a brain fart about your own name? I No, I, just talking, just English was not my strong suit, just <laughs> right then, and thank you for calling attention to it, because <laughs> now any type of insecurities that I have are just blown even further into proportion, and uh, I... You're well, welcome.
1: I'm Sean Cooper. Uh Yeah, and
0: that, come, see, now I'm all tongue-tied, have truth about investing back to basics can you could show up next time
1: you know if you want if you you, <laughs> you did great on the questions we'll, we'll just leave it at that you, you did great answering the questions <laughs> thanks buddy
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys hear you next t- dang it i'm i'm stopping this,
1: this is, I'm, okay yeah we'll, we'll get this right next time
2: podcast disclaimer disclaimer The disclaimer following this disclaimer is the disclaimer that is required for this podcast to be up
0: and running and fully functioning and moving forward. This is going to be the same disclaimer that you will hear in each one of our episodes. We hope you enjoy it
2: just as much as we enjoyed making it. All content on this podcast and accompanying transcript is for informational purposes only. Opinions expressed herein by Sean Cooper are solely those of FIT Financial Consulting, LLC, unless otherwise specifically cited. Chris Holling is not affiliated with FIT Financial Consulting, LLC, nor do the views expressed by Chris Holling represent the views of FIT Financial Consulting, LLC. This podcast is intended to be used in its entirety. Any other use beyond its author's intent, distribution, or copying of the contents of this podcast is strictly prohibited. Nothing in this podcast is intended as legal, accounting, or tax advice and is informational purposes only. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. This podcast may reference links to websites for the convenience of our users. Our firm has no control over the accuracy or content of these other websites. Advisory services are offered through Fit Financial Consulting, LLC, an investment advisor firm registered in the states of Washington and Colorado. The presence of this podcast on the internet shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to consumers in a particular state by our firm in the rendering of personalized investment advice for the compensation shall not be made without our first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant an applicable state exemption. For information concerning the status or disciplinary history of a broker-dealer, investment advisor, or their representatives, a consumer should contact their state securities administrator. This has been a test of the emergency disclosure system.
1: (laughs) Uh, That was my favorite of our uh, disclaimers was when you did the (laughs) Vising, <laughs> I still, I still throw it in every once in a while I know it was for, on there for the last for
2: time dude. Red eyes <laughs> yours, Clear eyes <laughs>